You're at the Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub where we enjoy conversations with people who are engaged in the world of coaching. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Coaching Inn. Today I'm in the good company of Anthony Quinn and Cyrus Lowe. Uh, And Anthony, you and I have known each other for a while. Cyrus, it's very good to meet you. Welcome to the Coaching Inn. Lovely. Thank you for having me, Claire. Great. Great to see you again, Claire. So let's hear your stories of how you got into this coaching, facilitating communications malarkey thing. Do you want to go first, Anthony? Uh, Yes. Okay. Thank you, Cyrus. Yeah. So I, I guess my story started in 2009, where I was working in genomics. So that's computational biology. And being a uh, someone who was running projects at a European level, I was on a negotiation skills training course. And one of the trainers said, well, would you mind just role-playing just for five minutes with one of your colleagues? And of course, most people hate role-play. So that's why she asked me very delicately. But I love role-play. So I jumped straight into it and discovered that I had a, uh, a real talent, not only for role-play, but for playing particularly difficult people. It seemed to come naturally. And um, and then from there, um, I then went into took acting classes, specialised in improvisation, and then from there discovered um, what I would now describe as the joy of corporate role play. Wow! And of course, Anthony, you introduced us to Stuart Reed through improvisation. Yeah. 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 So Stuart and I used to run improvised theatre classes together, and uh, yeah, Stuart is, is fantastic and very very good at adapting um the skills and uh and behaviors of improvised theater for coaching and for other other domains indeed he is and cyrus how lovely to meet you lovely to meet you too Claire. yeah i'm just thinking i i think my introduction was a bit of a happy accident because when i was very young um probably like 1920 i had like a, a an agent and one of the jobs she got me was doing role play um, for a company called the Garnet Foundation. And we used to do a lot of work with the fire service and local councils. So I kind of, it was, it started as an acting job effectively. Um, and then I did lots of theatre and education tours. And then I went to drama school, did my three years. And then when I left, I got a few acting jobs. But then in between, I was thinking, oh, you know, what do I need to do to earn some money? So I went back to role play and then ended up doing a bunch, a 12 years worth of work with the British Army on their inclusive leadership, diversity and inclusion program. And it it was in that environment that I went from being a role play actor to being a facilitator. And um, one of the things that spurred me on to be a facilitator was I kept watching, I kept being in rooms and just thinking, oh, I would have done that a bit differently. Oh, I think you've missed that. And, you know, um, and also diversity and inclusion is very much part of my lived experience. It's not really important to me. So that was kind of my introduction into facilitation. And then I... Uh, created a, um, a one-day masterclass for actors who wanted to get into um, corporate role play, which I'm now adapting into a book, um, oh, wow. which I'm which I'm writing in my sleep. Um, and yeah, so and then kind of met Anthony and started speaking about various projects. We did a few projects together, and then the communication practice was born after lots of kind of soul searching and working out what 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 we want our company to be and I think we're still on that that journey wow and I know that some of our listeners are listening and going Claire doesn't like role play and the reason I don't like role play 
is when it's not done by people who can sustain the character, just FYI. So what Anthony and Cyrus are describing here is amazing. Uh, in your average coach training thing and you get somebody to role play someone else, it doesn't work because you can't, I think, because you can't sustain the character. Yeah, I think I think you're right. And I think it's, um, you know, people become very self-conscious when they feel they have to act. And I now move away from the, the phrase role play. I now call it practice because ah. that's... Because that's what it is. I think well, that we call it practice. I think when when you hear that word role play, the delegate feels that they need to act, and all they need to do is have the conversation and let the actor do the acting. Um, and it's just practice. Yeah. And we call and we call our our team actor coaches. Ah, oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 So actually, we've abandoned role play altogether because you're doing practice, and when we get people to do it, we get them to do real play, which is to try out real things. Yeah, yeah. Which is actually also what you're doing. Yeah, so our practice sessions is sometimes called role play, real play. And we sometimes call them bespoke um, yeah. practice as well. Yeah. Yeah. Because you can inhabit that awful yeah. thing that you're so very terrified of. Yeah, yeah, 100%. So just tell me, tell us a little bit about the impact of what you're doing. What difference is it making? Anthony, do you want me to... Um, yeah, shall I just do a little kind of 20 second um, burst on that? But I'll let Cyrus speak mainly to that question. Yeah, so we started the communication practice about 18 months ago. And back then we had a, a kind of more general idea of creating a drama based training company specializing in communications. But very quickly, we both discovered because of our own personal experiences, but also what's what's important, what was going on in the world at the time that it was equity, diversity and inclusion was the thing that we really wanted to address and to work on. So in terms of impact, then um, that's really where our focus is absolutely now on creating a world where everyone feels like they belong at work and can do their best work. Wow. Yeah. And we, um, we, I'm actually at my, in my client's office at the moment because I'm running a session this afternoon. Um, but we've been doing a long um, running project with, um, BMS group so their insurance company and they we started with them with doing what we called speaking up training so it was for anyone in the company who didn't feel they were able to speak up and challenge unacceptable behavior and language we did workshops so we gave them the tools to be able to do that and that was done through sharing certain theories we used um, actors to act out a forum theater scenario which demonstrated the issues that were going on in the company and then in the second session, we had the bespoke practice sessions. And um, and we started working with BMS about a year ago. And now we're very much kind of in the fabric of the organization and wow. um, and we're seeing and hearing about the change. And, um, and yeah, as Anthony said, it's just making the workplace safe and welcoming and inclusive for everyone. I so love what you just said about forum theater so they can see it. Because isn't it interesting that when we see something, we understand it differently and then there are, our awareness comes. There's that beautiful Morris Maitalink quote that says, um, tries to remember, it's far more important that our lives be perceived than that they be transformed. Because once they've been perceived, they will transform themselves of their own accord. Yeah. And of course, yeah. sometimes, there's more work than that sometimes, but... <laughs> 
but getting and we, and people we, to see it. No, definitely. And when you run the forum theatre session, obviously there's, there's, we always set it in a parallel organization, but it's basically you know, this organization. Um, but in, you, in the audience, you, you have them with the laughter, the moments of recognition. Yeah. But for me, what I'm always interested in is the people who are quiet and you can see them really absorbing it because it, they're seeing themselves. They're seeing their behaviors. They're seeing a boss they had in the past, a time when they were vulnerable. So it is really powerful. And, and because of my, long standing time in the role in the corporate role play industry um we you know we've got a brilliant team of um actor coaches who um yeah are just able to to have that impact wow wow that is incredible what's your dream for your company guys <laughs> we we have um with one of our actor coaches denny francis always says that her dream is to not have to do this work. Yeah. And I think that I think that sums it up. I think if we just if we get to a place where everyone is included and when we're not having judgment and preconceptions, then um yeah, I guess that's the dream. But I suppose, yeah. You suppose, yep. Yeah. What was underneath it? Yep. No, I suppose from a commercial point of view, we we just want to I think certain industries and organisations really invest in this work, whether that's the really investing in the EDI work or the or upping communication skills so people feel more inclu- included. Um, but there are certain industries that are still really far behind. I mean, we're working with a brilliant insurance company who are putting the work in, but we know insurance is an industry um, which is behind a lot of other industries. And when I run the sessions... The brokers always say to me, it wasn't that long ago that women weren't a lot weren't allowed in Lloyd's, <laughs> you know. So in terms of, you know, just really trying to penetrate um as many parts of the world of work as possible. Mm. Mm. Things change. It feels like they change slowly and it also feels like they change quickly, doesn't it? Yeah. I can remember being in a meeting in some fancy building in London. Third more than 30 years ago um and it was oh it was at the offices of water raid and we were talking about how we describe the rest of the world and how third world wasn't a great descriptor and somebody was there and they said it takes 30 years to change that to really change the narrative yeah and yet some things are moving much more quickly, aren't they? They they are, but it's, and others more slowly. <laughs> but 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 it's where the things that move quickly are. You really taking everyone along with you, yeah? Or are you just taking the preaching to the converted? Because actually, I do get pushed back in sessions, and I do get, and it's a lot of it's fear, fear of the world changing, fear of um, people getting a big, you know, a, a slice of the pie. So I think. Yeah, I think it takes people different stages to, to to go on that. I mean, you know, and language is so powerful. I mean, um, yeah, there's just so many things that we've grown up. I mean, you know, in terms of race, you know, you think of older people, the the variations of things that they've had to call black people over the years, and you can see the fear in their eyes when and they don't know what the correct term is because they've had yeah. 50, 60, 70 years of it changing. So, and, you know, and people... Um, often don't have the courage to ask 
and just say what is the right thing to say or what what do I need to call this person yeah. Anthony you were going to say something oh well well recognized Claire I, I didn't even realize I was going to say something but now I've got the opportunity I will say something yeah I think um yeah going back to that idea of what's our vision then yeah I think Cyrus put it perfectly of saying well actually our vision is is to not have to do this work anymore um and in the meantime um then in terms of our vision then what I'd really love to do this year is to get to the point where we really can show the impact of our work so again that goes back to a previous previous question and I believe that one way that we can do that would be by working with academics so we're currently working with the Judge Business School at Cambridge University to look at kind of more broadly what impact does drama-based training have in the workplace and specifically what does our work what difference does our work make to the workplace so drama-based training for equity diversity and inclusion because as Cyrus said there are companies and industries which are in the vanguard of this work they're taking it seriously they're putting in the work to do this but there are many other organizations that aren't and I think there are various reasons for that many of which Cyrus shared um, but I think some of it is just the the kind of classic innovators dilemma of this idea of crossing the chasm Mm. where you have um when anything new comes along you have people who will always embrace the new because that's what they love to do but then you'll have the majority who don't and for any innovator it's it's that question of well how do you it's called the chasm how do you make that jump from the early adopters to the to the majority and i think that that's where that kind of academic research can help so for those people who are not sure people who run companies or run departments who aren't sure if this is the right thing or the right approach because they have limited resources they're under pressure then i think anything that we can do to show objectively and demonstrably that this makes a positive impact i think that will help those people then make the case in their own mind and then further from that in their organizations as you're talking, I'm reminded of an interview that I did with Tunde Aodosh a couple of years ago here at the Coaching Inn. So she was researching. She's a very interesting um, woman. She's a coach. She was researching presence. And she did video research on presence where she um, videoed nonverbal conversations. So it was it was picture only with no audio. And they were, and she was videoing coaching conversations. So after each video thing, there was an exit interview for the coach and there was an exit interview for the thinker. And the coach would report whatever they reported and the thinker would report whatever they reported. And then, and then she put the video through this software that analysed movement and how people were in the room together. And what became clear was that what the coaches thought it was like wasn't what the what was experienced by the thinkers and the thinkers and the video evidence agreed and people were self-reporting the coaches were self-reporting much higher and I'm just curious what it would be like if you put some dialogue through with some of the people that you train before they were trained and after they were trained and what difference that might make because my my hunch as you're talking is that there would be something non-verbal that really was a significant difference because it is about what do I actually say 
But is it not also about how do I actually be? Yeah, and I, I often, when we use the forum theatre example, I say, um, you know, you could be watching this converse, for, conversation on the other side of a glass panel and not be able to hear the conversation, but you could probably work out from the body language what's going on and how they feel about each other. So it's 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 incredibly powerful. And I do an exercise at the start of the session um, where I basically have an imaginary line on the floor from one to ten, and then I basically say, put yourself on the line on, on how happy you are to be in this session today. And I want you to be honest. And I say, you're not allowed to choose number five. <laughs> so you have to have you have to have an opinion. But what that does is that that just gets out. I'm really yeah. busy. I'm stressed. I don't think this is important. It's too much DNI at the moment. So you kind of get that out there. And then those people always go on a journey um, at the end of the session. Because I, I think that basically I think with a lot of this work people think it's about others it's about other people it doesn't affect me but what you do during a session is you show that it does affect them um, mm. because diversity comes in many shapes and forms it's not just the the big hitters that we always hear about so yeah 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 interesting so if any listeners have any good ideas about academic stuff would you like to hear from them absolutely yeah yeah because there's always that question isn't it which is about how do we demonstrate that the work we do is actually impactful real um yeah and all those yeah. and all those other things and there's also the kind of rub with our work that we always want to create a a, a feeling of confidentiality and safety so we can't record the sessions or you know it has to be people need to be able to free free to to, to speak which for me is really really important um yeah so there's a vulnerability about yeah, engaging I mean, in your programs completely i mean the the program one of the programs is around inclusive leadership and i think that's a key skill as a leader to be vulnerable to have the power the confidence to say that's not an area i know about um yeah absolutely and i think you know as cyrus mentioned earlier you know even just things like changing language over the years um having the confidence to say, I don't know, or I'm not sure. You know, as a leader, it's a massive step for many people. And and in the work that we do, particularly around the practice conversations, where it is one-to-one and it is a real-life conversation from their own life, from the past or from the future, then having that confidence to have those conversations, particularly where it might be saying, I don't know, or I'm not sure, then, you know, one thing that drives that, our work in that is the idea that confidence isn't something that you are it's something that you do and so it's a skill it's it's something that can be developed and worked on and vulnerability is very much a part of that Mm. Mm. and courage courage yeah yeah curiosity is always one of my big um, hitters as well yeah um, let me say it's your best friend as, an, as a as a leader. Yeah. And it takes vulnerability to be curious because what you're saying is actually, I don't know. Yeah. I'd yeah, love definitely. to find out more about this. Mm. Yeah. yeah. You're hitting on a lot of the things in our book. I sound like I endlessly talk about the next book, but it is interesting that you're hitting it. And I think it's partly because it's, there's a lot of narrative around, isn't there now, in organisations about how actually we need to be human in order to be able to do what we do. Yeah. 
So, and I, think, I, and I, I, I do think, I think, I think we were going that way anyway. But I do think it's a knock-on effect from the pandemic, from the vulnerability, the honesty we all had to show. You know, we were looking into each other's living rooms, into each other's lives. We couldn't hide. You know, if you were homeschooling and it was driving you mad, you couldn't. <laughs> you, know, you just had to say. So I think that. Um, you know, and that is also part and parcel with the journey that men have been on in terms of speaking more about their mental health. And so, yeah, I think, yeah, being being human is, is um, yeah. yeah. It's interesting because Jane Hansen was saying that on the on the podcast a few weeks ago, exactly the same thing about what is the impact on our humanity of, of the pandemic. And one of the questions she was asking about is, is it going to last? Because although it is a deep human experience that we all experienced. Are we going to remember that or are we going to choose to forget it? Mm. Yeah. So, so how did you do your work during the pandemic, guys? Well, actually, that's uh, how I met Cyrus because I wasn't doing any work. Okay. <laughs> so I, I'd luckily had like a very, a very good run in 2019 which um, that program of work ended in early February 2020. So I was planning on taking a bit of time out anyway and just kind of regrouping and um, looking at what I was going to do next. And then the world um, had other plans for all of us. And so I found myself with um, plenty of time on my hands between kind of in that spring and summer of 2020. And that's when I re and that's when I thought for the first time, actually, I've never had any formal training in the work I was doing, so drama-based training. So I thought, well, now is a great opportunity to sharpen the saw. So I went looking for people who offered training in this type of work, and that's how I found Cyrus and Cyrus's role play masterclass. And and then the rest is history. That's how we first met. Oh wow! So is that online? Yeah, yeah. So I'd only ever ran the workshop in person before, and then, like everyone else, was trying to adapt to a virtual uh, platform and then that was that was that was the experiment that was the first time I ran it virtually um yeah yeah <laughs> and now now so I'm still um running them occasionally but I'm, I'm putting all that energy into the book okay. um so the book is um an actor's guide to corporate role play oh, great um so it's it's everything because you know I I feel really passionate about the work one because of the impact it has on the delegates and the participants but two because it provides actors with a secondary source of income that pays them well um for for using their skill so i'm really you know so i and actually um being able to put it all into the book to have, have a wider audience is 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 great so that's where that energy is going at the moment fantastic and you said you're writing it in your sleep i get that <laughs> <laughs> um yeah I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a very understanding publisher who um is, I've actually been very lucky actually because my I'm doing a play at the moment and the publisher of the play text is also my publisher so I've just been I've been really busy doing the play can I have a few more weeks and they've been very understanding which is good yeah I have to say at three o'clock in the morning when I have my best idea and I'm going, I don't want to write it down because I want to, I want to go back to sleep. And then of course, all I can think about is the the good idea. It is a bit of a nightmare, mm. isn't it? It really is. It really is. <laughs> so when will it come in principle, Cyrus, when will it come out? 
I'd imagine early next year, I think, by okay. the time we've done. Um, uh, yeah. And it's been great, actually, because it's been published by uh, Matthew and Drama, who are part of Bloomsbury. And they, um, all, I did the, so the Actors Yearbook that comes out every year, I did the foreword for that this year. So that's been a really, really good relationship. And um, yeah, yeah. And I, and I think there is, obviously, this one is very much focused on the actor experience, but there is something about, because you mentioned presence and, mm. you know, there are so many of those brilliant books um, about communication skills. But um, there is, I think, you know, I think I always say actors are, you know, brilliant at, teaching this stuff because we spend our lives trying to look calm in incredibly stressful situations so there might be another book there but probably not just yet (laughs) there is something isn't there about embodying it yeah and this isn't stuff you can learn in your head is it it's stuff that you have to live yeah and you talk sorry did sorry interrupt Claire sorry um yeah and I think that that goes back also to that question around um around post-pandemic and our work and working online. And obviously during the pandemic, we could only work online. That was the only choice. Now um, it's a mix. So often we found that, um, and, and Cyrus, jump in if you have any comments, forum theatre works best in person because often the learning is between the delegates. It's those conversations where people recognise what's happened on stage from their own lives or seeing it happen to others. And then we play the scene as it is scripted and then we restart and then we ask then the delegates then to change the action so effectively they become the director so they can change things and again it's in those conversations and experimentation where we perhaps try something that in your head you think okay this is going to solve the problem but it doesn't it perhaps makes things worse and and it's in it's in those kind of moments of conversation and what happens afterwards that's where the learning takes place and also what we found, but that, that can also work on online. You know, we discovered that during the pandemic. But also for those practice conversations, which can be in small groups of two or three or, or perhaps one-to-one, if that conversation is going to happen anyway on Zoom or Teams, then practicing it on Zoom or Teams is the natural environment. So effectively you are embodying. Yeah. yeah. You know, you're, you're, you're creating the the space in which it's going to happen anyway. And there's something about, embodiment and particularly there the are constraints of that which means that you can't you can't walk around and have the conversation you've basically got to be seated and you've ah. only got this frame where you can just see the head and shoulders and not really very much else so there is there's definitely something around that and there's definitely something about being in your body as well as in your head <laughs> absolutely we need to talk about working on zoom not seated because i think that it's a great thing i think we can move around a lot but it does depend whether the person that we're working with is also able or willing to move around i love that we started this conversation talking about you you cyrus talked about lived experience and what we've sort of got to now is the idea of lived learning Mm. Mm. yeah yeah and just to jump on what anthony was saying i often when I talk about this work and it's about the culture they want to create, but we now it's, it's an in-person culture and a virtual culture as well. Yeah. Um, because moving forward again, the virtual world is going to be with us in, 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 in some respect. Absolutely. So if people want to talk to you more about this, how do they get in touch with you? So our website is the communication practice.com. And I think we've got a contact. Anthony will tell me there's a contact thing on there. Sure. We've got our telephone number. We've got an email address. We've got a contact form on there. 
you can also get in touch with us through LinkedIn as well. Um, right. So us personally, so our, our names are, well, you don't want our names are Anthony Quinn and Cyrus Lowe. Anthony without an H. Um, and, and Cyrus uh, with an S. Cyrus with an S. <laughs> with an S at the beginning. Yes. <laughs> Great. I'll put that all in the show notes. Um, so Anthony Quinn and Cyrus Lowe, thank you so much for coming to the Coaching Inn. And what a great conversation. Uh, and I know that people will be really kind of bouncing off that as they go off on their dog walk. So thank you for coming. Thanks thank for having you. us. Great to I'm, see you. I'm Claire Pedrick and you've been at the Coaching Inn. Bye-bye. If you've enjoyed what you've heard today, we'd love you to share the podcast with a friend or leave a comment on social media. And if you'd like to become a regular at The Coaching Inn, you can subscribe on Podbean and all major podcast channels. We look forward to welcoming you next time. You've been listening to The Coaching Inn, 3D Coaching's virtual pub. For more information, check out 3dcoaching.com.